Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. The health of your soil is everything. And if we want healthy plants and better produce, then we need to be looking at what we're growing in. I have really been motivated this year to improve our garden soil and just our soil in general on our homestead. We have a lot of clay. I know a lot of you can relate to that. And so in today's episode, I wanted to share some of the actions I'm taking this year to amend our soil and improve it for many years to come. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the trailblazers, the mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, well, this is the place for you. Hey there, I'm interrupting this episode for just a sec because I really wanted to tell you that the mailman brought me a 25 pound bag of salt this week. Okay, whatever, I know that sounds weird, but I'm actually telling you this for a reason because I know a lot of you are working on stocking up your pantries and your personal food supply right now. And this is my number one favorite brand of salt. Redmond's Real Salt is mined in the USA and it contains 60 plus trace minerals that make it so darn good for you and it tastes better too. Redmond's is my number one pick for all of my homestead cooking, baking, food preservation, and I happen to have snagged a discount code just for the listeners of this podcast. Head on over to theprairiehomestead.com slash salt to check out Redmond's offerings. And don't worry, you don't have to get 25 pounds. They also sell it in smaller quantities too. Use the code HOMESTEAD when you check out to save 15% on your order through the end of June. Plus, if you spend $50 or more, the shipping is free. And now you can be a salt nerd just like me. Back to our episode. So I'm just going to confess, I have been completely nerding out on soil lately. I don't know why this has hit me (laughs) like it has right now. I mean, I've always known that soil was important and I've heard the little tips and tricks over the years, but like this year, for some reason, it's really just kind of reached out and grabbed me. And all of a sudden I care more than I did in the years past, I guess would be the easiest way to describe it. Um, so much so I (laughs) spent my birthday, my birthday was in May. Um, and Christian was like, what do you want to do for your birthday? And there wasn't a lot we could do because we, you know, it was kind of quarantine and everything was shut down. And so I'm like, well, I would like to have the day to, to myself to basically do whatever I want. And so the kids ended up going to our babysitter's house. So I had the house to myself and I didn't work that day. And I just pretty much just did whatever I felt like, whether it was going in the garden or riding my horse or just moseying around the yard. And I actually found myself um, sitting on the porch reading a book about soil on my birthday. So that is how exciting I am. Um, yeah, but it was fun and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, anyway, I've just been digging deep. The book that I was reading and I, I finished it a couple weeks ago is fantastic. I highly recommend it is the organic gardener's guide to better soil by Jean Logsdon. It's an older book. It was written in the mid seventies and I don't know if it's in print per se, but you can find used copies. And that's what I did. I went on a ABE books or thrift books. And I found a beat up used copy and it's really good info. It's um, easy to understand. I was a little worried it was going to be really uh, too high level for me to apply to our personal garden. And it wasn't, it was really actionable. So 
just good. I would highly recommend it if you're wanting to be a soil nerd like I am. But I guess I've been compelled to dig deep, no pun intended, into soil because I just am seeing the effects or understanding the effects more than years past. And time and time again, it's proven, right? If you pay attention to your soil and we focus on building soil as the foundation of our homesteads, then a lot of the other good things follow. And we potentially have less issues with pests or disease or poor yields. It just, it starts from the ground up. And so I really think if you are interested in growing more food, growing better food, and really improving the land that we're on versus just taking from it, you know, that regenerative agriculture idea. And this applies if you're even in a backyard in the suburbs or you have acreage, um, the soil is where it starts. So I wanted to share today a few of the things I have been learning and some of the things that I have been implementing to help with our clay heavy soil. So I have learned that soil has three main components. There is sand, there is silt, and there is clay. And in talking to most folks, I've been doing some mentoring, um, homestead mentoring this program, we call it Homegrown. You may have seen it floating around. It's not closed, or excuse me, it's not open for registration right now. It will be later this summer. But we've been doing a lot of deep diving into soil in this mentorship group. And I found that most of the folks in there, we either have folks who are heavy with sand or heavy with clay. Um, it's kind of one or the other. And we do have a good number of people who have loam. Loam soil is that kind of perfect combination. It's the soil that is rich and crumbly and nutritious. So um, there's a good amount of folks who have loam, but sometimes if you get on one side or the other, it's either sand or it's clay. So we personally are more on the clay side of things. And oftentimes when you're talking to gardeners and you bring up, you know, oh, clay soil, it's just like, oh, like there's this dread <laughs> that fills the air because clay is not easy to work with. However, I was really excited to discover that clay isn't necessarily as horrible as you may have been led to believe. It's not easy, but it's not necessarily a death sentence for your garden either. So of all three of those components, clay is the finest. It's the smallest particles. So that kind of is, there's a pro and a con to that. The pro would be that it holds onto a lot of nutrients. So believe it or not, clay soil is more nutrient dense in many cases than sandy soil. Now, the downfall to these fine particles is that clay can get compacted and stick together and it doesn't drain quite as well. And if you have clay soil, you know exactly how this goes. When you go to dig it up or work it, especially if you do it when it's too wet or too dry, it is utterly miserable because when it's wet, it's like digging in uh, clay, Play-Doh. It's like sticky and it sticks to your shovel and it sticks to everything and it sticks to your boots. And then if you do it when it's really dry, it's like literally trying to break through concrete. Um, we have our raised beds, as many of you know, and I would say the first half, we have this like a rectangular strip of beds, two beds, or excuse me, a bed on each side. We have 10, be 10 beds on each side, so 20 total. That was confusing. Could I have said that in a more confusing way? Probably not. <laughs> Hopefully you can visualize that. Anyway, the first, I don't know, 
two-thirds section of my bed rectangle is pretty decent soil. Um, I have realized that a lot of places on our homestead, we have the topsoil is actually pretty decent. It's prairie grass, you know, topsoil, and it's loamy. Uh, we recently dug up this potato patch in the backyard for a new garden this year, and we just tilled it. A friend brought up his tractor. We just tilled it. And I was really pleasantly surprised to see how loamy and crumbly and beautiful that soil was. It was untouched before we tilled it for our potatoes. Um, so some of my beds are pretty good because when we were filling the beds with our tractor, we had this big pile of dirt that we had left over from um, leveling, leveling out the spot where we put the beds and also from uh, digging the hole to build our addition onto our house. So we filled those first two thirds of the beds with, I think it was that leftover topsoil. And then we started to not pay attention potentially as much as we should have <laughs> as we filled those later beds. And I think they got some of the pile that was a little bit more of the subsoil or the clay. So the last little third of my beds are not as wonderful with their soil. They're a lot more clay. I do not recommend using subsoil. That was a stupid mistake on our part years ago, kind of before I was paying attention to those things. Thankfully, though, I only have a couple beds that are bad. And even then, the, the, the bad beds have actually improved over the years. There's just one left. There's one uh, Lone Ranger bed in the very back corner that I don't know what happened he just didn't get as much TLC or mulch or compost. I don't know. But I went to dig it up because with my raised beds um, in the more clay heavy ones, I do have to work them up with my shovel every year. I kind of have to get up there and dig them up. And I got up there to dig that up and we've had a very dry spring. I, I put my, I wish I had a video. I put my shovel in and put my foot on it and started to put my weight and it just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> it was like if you had a shovel on concrete and you were just going to dig up that concrete. It just like didn't work. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to not be my favorite project. And so I finally got it dug up. It was torture. I had to do it in two different um, sessions because I was just over it by the first 30 minutes. Um, so I've got it dug up, but I'm looking at this and they're like, when I dig it up, there's these big clumps that you have to like use a pitch or not a pitchfork, a pickaxe to break apart. And they, they don't crumble. They just Ugh, it's nasty. So I'm on a mission this year to fix that bed or be, let me rephrase that begin to fix that bed because it's not going to be a one year project. This is going to be a process. Um, but I have faith it can be done because I know I have inadvertently helped some of my other clay beds. So that is my mission. I'm actually not planting vegetables in that bed. I am leaving it, uh, unplanted with food and we're going to be planting a cover crop there but more to come on that in just a sec so how do you know if you have clay in your garden some of you may have no idea right some of you may have a clue you maybe talk to other gardeners you just know um, there's a few little things you can watch for to help you determine what's going on out there um, the first one is if when your soil is uncovered like when I say uncovered, I mean, it doesn't have grass growing in it, or it doesn't have mulch on it. And it gets dried out and it starts to crack, like you get cracks in your ground. That's a good indication that you got a lot of soy or excuse me, a lot of clay going on. Also, if you grab a handful of your soil, and you shape it into a ball, and it like dries and turns into a 
a mud ball, dried mud ball, or if you get some moist soil and you roll it into a snake, just like you're doing Play-Doh, right, with the kids, and that snake maintains its length at two inches or more in length, that's also a pretty good indication that it's clay. So basically, if your garden soil acts like Play-Doh, you probably have a lot of clay going on. I believe in the grand scheme of things, if you're past the, like if you do a soil test, and you don't have to do a soil test, but if you really want info, it helps. If you're past the 40% uh, clay mark, that means you're on the, the heavy side in the world of clay soils. Um, so the tricky thing in working a, a garden that's heavy in clay is not working it too much, right? And so I've been reading some different things. We don't till up our raised beds in the traditional sense, obviously, because a rototiller is not going to get up there. But I do dig them up with my shovel when they when they need it. Um, a lot of sources I'm seeing, though, if you have an in-ground garden, they're recommending you don't till it excessively. Like maybe you till it that first year um, to get it broke up if you're starting with fresh ground. But then you potentially either go to a no-till or you try to minimize that. So I know that can look different for, for everyone. And sometimes no-till is a great idea, but you just, it doesn't work always in every single location and every single year right off the bat. You kind of have to work into that. So it's something to explore. I don't have recommendations specifically for your specific situation because there's so many variables, but something to consider. I do know, though, that you want to avoid working with your clay soil when it's super duper wet. Um, you also want to avoid it when it's super duper dry because it's like concrete. Um, and when it's just really wet, it, it's like digging in quicksand. You can't get it off your shovel. You can't get it off your boots. You just go deep. And then when it dries out, you actually can um, make the compaction worse if you work it during the wrong moisture levels. When I try to work my clay soil, I don't like it to be 100% bone dry, but I like it to be almost mostly dry. I don't know if that's super helpful mostly dry with just a teeny bit of moisture because I found that if it's just a little tiny bit wet, um, I can dig up a shovel full and then still break apart the clods versus when it's completely dry, I have to use like a pickaxe to break up the clods. So I don't know if that's helpful, but I've just been trying to be more mindful of when I'm out there doing stuff with the clay. So I wanted to give you a few of my strategies this year that I'm going to be using to help continue with my medium clay beds to make them even better. And hopefully the things I'm going to do with my super duper clay bed to make it um, much more manageable in the years to come. So the first thing I would recommend is that you be very careful about walking um, in the areas you want to plant in. Now, if you have raised beds, that's pretty easy to be mindful of that. But if you have a regular just in-ground garden, you just want to be really clear with where your rows are and where your walkways are because the more you walk on that clay soil, the more it compacts and the more miserable it gets. Another thing that I would recommend avoiding is adding sand to it. And I feel like that's a really common inclination that if I have a lot of clay, I should go get some sandy soil or some sand and mix it together. And that actually just doesn't do a whole lot for you. In some cases, it can actually make it worse, okay? So if we're not adding sand, what do we add? 
the best thing you can add to your soil, whether you have decent soil or sandy soil or clay soil, is organic matter. And I am completely obsessed with the idea of organic matter lately. <laughs> when I'm coaching my folks in our homegrown mentorship, almost every time they ask me something about soil, I'm like, organic matter. Like it's always, the answer is always organic matter. I mean, not really, but a lot of the times it is. Organic matter is just something that you're going to be putting on top of your soil, or you're going to be digging into your soil that just adds to it. So it can be compost. It can be rotted manure. It could be uh, grass clippings or old leaves. There's a lot of different options, but when we put that in, uh, whether we're top dressing with it or we take a couple inches of organic matter and we just dig it in to the top layers of our garden, that's going to go a long way in nurturing the soil, helping it drain better, making the texture better. And I can attest that over the years of adding our composted manure and mulching, I absolutely believe that is why my soil is so good in those first part of my beds, because I've really put my most effort into them and it's showing it's worth it. Okay. Um, another thing to consider is mulch, 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 mulch. You can't go wrong with mulch. And a lot of you are familiar with my very sad hay mulch saga where I poisoned the garden. And I believe there's an episode on that. If you want to go back and look in the archives, um, so you do want to be very, very careful with the mulch that you use, but if you have a source of clean mulch, that's really going to help you no matter your situation. So what I've been using this year is grass clippings. And I actually posted about this on my Instagram stories a couple weeks ago, and I was surprised at how many questions I got, um, from folks who were really shocked that I was using grass clippings. And so, uh, a little bit of background info on that. We do not spray our lawn with anything. So it's 100% clean, right? We don't use pesticides. We don't use herbicides. So if I were to get grass clippings from a different source, I would be extremely picky about where that came from. Because if your lawn or a lawn has been sprayed with herbicides, weed killers, um, and you put that on your garden, you could have a disaster. So be very, very careful with that. Um, but if you have a clean source of grass clippings, I will either take them green right out of the lawnmower bag and sprinkle them in between my rows and in between the plants that have come up, or I'll put them in a pile and if they dry out, I still use them. Or even if they get a little bit, um, you know, grass clippings get icky after a while cause they start to break down and compost. They get hot or they get a little bit slimy. Honestly, that doesn't bother me. I put those on my garden, um, last year and I had zero problems. I also don't think it has added really any more weeds to the garden. Um, our grass, we try to keep it clipped before it goes to seed. So I suppose if you were mowing a really hairy patch of yard that had a ton of tall weeds that had a ton of seeds, you might want to be careful with that. But in general, lawns don't usually have a lot of seed heads in them. Um, and I just will take those grass clippings. I'll put a couple inches. Like yesterday I was mulching in between my onions and my garlic. And it won't last all summer. You know, one application only lasts, I don't know, a month, month or two. And you have to reapply. But it's so good because it's decomposing as it's protecting your soil. And it's um, locking in moisture so you have to water less. And I've noticed that the beds that I mulch 
have more earthworms in them. The soil is happier. It's less compacted. So it's just a win-win all the way around. And did I mention it helps cut down the weeds too? That's like really the primary reason I started mulching because it helps my lazy weeding tendencies. When you snuff out the little baby weeds with a heavy layer of mulch, um, they just can't grow. So it is one of my favorite garden tricks and mulching truly does save me a lot of time, both in reducing the amount of time I need to water and um, reducing my weed. So my weeds, weeds, <laughs> sounded weird. Um, so not only is that a strategy for your clay soil, use that on your sandy soils, use that on any soils, mulch and organic matter are really going to be your two magic weapons. Okay, what else do I have on my list here? Um, if you have a, a lot of clay, you could try looking into raised beds. I do think our raised beds have helped. And the, the reason they help is because raised beds tend to help with drainage and clay soils tend to not like to drain as, as well. So having that elevated bed potentially could give you a leg up with the drainage issue. Now in the, in the contrast, sandy soils tend to drain really easily. So maybe if you live in a very hot environment, you're trying to lock in as much water as possible. Raised beds may not be your very best bet, or you may need to have other factors in there like the mulch or the watering system to make sure you're not drying out it with a sandy soil combined with a raised bed. And then my final little, little trick here that I am going to implement, I mentioned it a minute ago. I have this bed that is a disaster. I'm going to plant rye in it like right now. It's June as I record this. So instead of putting vegetables there, I'm going to plant rye as a cover crop. And the reason I selected rye, because after a bit of research, I discovered that rye has really long roots and it can get down in there and help break up and aerate the soil. Because aeration is something that does help clay. And you can do that with a broad fork. If you know what a broad fork is, it's like one of those, it looks like a pitchfork with a lot of tines and you stand on it and pull it and it brings air into the soil. Um, you can aerate with a broad fork or you can aerate with the cover crops. Maybe it's a little bit of a slower process, but then you have some organic matter as well. So I have some rye. I got them from, I got the seeds from True Leaf Market. If you want more info on cover crops, go back to the episode I recorded. It was last fall. So you have to go back in my archives a little bit, but I talk all about cover crops. I had a True Leaf Market, uh, Parker, he came on and filled us in and it was a fantastic episode and it really inspired me. So try cover crops for your clay soil. Uh, clover is another one. There's cover crop mixes. There's tons of cover crop options. That's going to just do a lot of good for where you're growing. It's that green manure. It's aeration potentially. It's more nitrogen. It's more organic matter. They are really the organic gardener's secret weapon. Um, oh, lastly, little little note here. One thing that come up, ugh, comes up a lot, let me speak correctly here, is adding gypsum to clay soils. And so I dig into this a little bit deeper because I have not added gypsum and I don't even, I haven't even looked for gypsum in my area. And there's varying opinions, but a couple sources I found just said to be careful about adding gypsum willy-nilly and really only adding it if you get your soil tested at a laboratory or a local university, and they specifically recommend it. Um, this little tidbit from the epicgardening.com website I thought was 
uh, important. So I'm just going to read this to you. Uh, they say that adding gypsum to your soil can cause leaching of minerals and nutrient levels. It can also cause mineral deficiencies. Um, in addition, gypsum may make it difficult for beneficial bacteria in your soil to do their jobs. These beneficial growths often help your plants take up nutrition more easily, and you don't want to slow the growth of your plants. A Washington State University study thoroughly examined this topic. The consensus was that while there are applications for commercial farmland or extremely hard compacted soils, gypsum just isn't very effective in most home gardens. So just something to think about if you've seen that floating around online. Do your research with your situation and with your area before you go buy a bunch of gypsum and dump it on. So there you go. I don't consider myself the soil expert. I am definitely still a student in this arena, but I thought it would just be helpful to pass along some of the things I've been learning and researching about this past couple of months. And hopefully it'll give you some ideas on how you can improve your soil, whether you're dealing with sand or clay, and just to improve our vegetable yields without using those chemicals and really getting back to our organic roots. So if you are curious about our raised beds, because it's something that generates a ton of questions whenever I talk about it, you can grab a copy of my complimentary raised bed ebook over at theprairiehomestead.com raisedbedguide raised bed guide. It has pictures, it has details on how we built them, how we filled them, all of that good stuff. And that is it for today, my friend. Don't forget to hit subscribe so all the new episodes show up automatically in your podcast player. And thank you to everyone who has left ratings and reviews for the podcast. I read every single one and I appreciate you taking the time to leave those so much. Thanks for listening and we will catch up again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.